Hello, everyone. My name is Brennan Marr. That noise you're hearing is my ventilator. And welcome to The Guest Awakens, presented by Page Turner. They were not my Star Wars podcast. Now, today, folks, we have a special treat. Um, this individual is 20 years younger than me, so I feel old. But the fact that this person maybe knows more about cinema than even I do, and given that this person is 16 years old, that's saying a lot. So we'd like to introduce the co-host of the YouTube channel, Oscar Buzz, as well as co-host of The Basement with the great American epic. It's Trevor Matson. Hi, Trevor. Hello, hello. How are you doing today? Good. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Absolutely, excited, absolutely. Excited to see what we come up with. Yeah, so, for sure, for sure. I uh, like talking movies. <laughs> yeah. And, and this is, at least in theory, a Star Wars podcast. Right. But it does also embrace all of cinema. And it's always good to talk about that. So we'll begin with a little bit of your Star Wars journey. How did you get introduced to Star Wars? So Star Wars had just, I would say in general, been a, a large part of my family. I mean, my my dad, my my grandpa, just massive Star Wars fans. So I can't even remember specifically the first time I uh, I saw Star Wars. Uh, I'm pretty sure I watched all of the original trilogy uh, in one day with family when I was like five or six. Um, and then it just uh, went from there. I, I remember my like big, uh, the, the big thing that really drew me into the Star Wars world was um, the Clone Wars, actually, mm -hmm. uh, growing mm -hmm. up with that as a as a wee child. Uh, not that I'm not a child now. Um but then, yeah, and then honestly, I, I, I'd say that this is standard fare for a lot of people uh, who have a love for film. But Star Wars was like the first, you know, the first films that I really obsessed over that then launched me into the world of film as a whole. So, oh, OK, so this also is your pathway into where you are as far as just being a cinema fan. Yeah, yeah, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I think they did the same for me, I would say. They're yeah. really the ones that made me go, oh, okay. You know, movies yeah. are cool. And um Yeah, yeah. It's interesting because the the effect that Star Wars has had on cinema is something that would take years to fully analyze. You could mm -hmm. be sitting in a podcast for years talking about what has changed because of Star Wars? Um, and I know that for you and I, in our own lives, things have changed because of the influence of Star Wars on us and our love of cinema. So then that brings me to the next question. What is your favorite Star Wars film? Oh, Jesus. Uh, that's hard. <laughs> um, I... I really honestly do bounce back and everything in the original trilogy. I think I would have to say Empire Strikes Back, but it's it's really, really hard. Like, I mean, tomorrow I could wake up and say Return of the Jedi the next day, A New Hope, 
honestly just any of the original trilogy is on such a high level um for me compared to everything else wow yeah i mean it is hard to choose it really is um with me it's empire strikes back okay yeah. uh definitely something that when i was a kid that was my least favorite of the three mm-hmm. and it was I, weird i agree it was weird growing up because you know i i was more into like the, the big fight scenes and action and battles i wasn't so much into the let's get cerebral but now that i'm an adult watching that stuff or or not just adult but now that i'm I'm older i look at it and go that's exactly what it needed in that middle chapter for sure for sure and you know when i was a kid there were only three i mean there were the ewok adventure movies if you counted those i mean do you really want to yeah i I mean (laughs) I, i watched the second one a lot as a kid so yeah but that was all there was so there wasn't much um well, I said now there's 12 films and a bazillion shows. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, it's 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 really grown a lot, and I mean, I don't think that anything has really reached the quality of any of the original trilogy films. I don't know if any of them ever will. I just think that there's such a like personal passion behind the original uh, trilogy. Uh, and I just I don't know if that will ever be matched now that a lot of them are uh, largely may, you know, pr- produced by major studios. It's true. You know, Disney and that like you just are not going to be able to get the same passion behind it um, as just that original <laughs> um, push and drive from Lucas, which is, I think, standard for a lot of film franchises. I mean, you look yeah. at Jurassic Park recently. Like, I mean, just going, yeah, out it's with all over Harper. the place, yeah. And I think, um, I think that in my mind, The Last Jedi is one of the few that's actually more auteurish in terms of Ryan Johnson kind of doing his thing, uh, whether right. you like it or yeah, not, yeah. and not to, um, definitely, yeah, definitely more on that level of auteur cinema, which. Not to to fan the flame on that uh, that debate again. The Last Jedi is probably my favorite Star Wars film and just project in general outside of the original trilogy. Well, guess what? This is a safe space because it's one of mine too. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah no, don't I, worry. I, I'm not one of those burn the internet yeah. down kind of guys. I um yeah I I'm just more drawn to that uh a, a tour esque cinema in general and a lot bolder visions and a lot stronger yeah. creative pushes and, and, and ryan johnson's vision was nothing if not bold yeah which i which i appreciate even if it wasn't i I don't think he executed it a hundred percent but like at least to just have the ambition i think contrasting i mean like i enjoyed the force awakens but it's it plays everything relatively yeah safe. plays it safe yeah Compared to the last Jedi, which just last Jedi is like, I, we're I just admire the go, ambition. Last Jedi is a hold my beer kind of movie. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So. Yeah, yeah. No, um, and it's probably my favorite outside the original trilogy as well. Nice. So this then brings us to question number three: Who is your favorite Star Wars character? So, 
this is uh you know derived from as i mentioned up with the clone wars uh tv series um it would probably be ahsoka tano um as the uh as the younger voice within that show uh and growing up with that show as you know six seven eight year old like yep that was just an immediate connection for me uh and then especially seen as the character of ahsoka has grown up to you know the the final season of the clone wars just was that last yeah. year 2020 yeah uh two years um, ago i think yeah two years ago yeah uh it was i kind of grew up alongside ahsoka in that sense with the um with the massive time gap between the uh the penultimate and final seasons of the clone wars uh, it, it, release time, yeah i mean so. we're talking 10 years so it's like well so yeah so that really just landed uh right along with my uh my age in my life so and yeah i've seen the character progress into rebels and uh mandalorian etc it's always mm-hmm. been fun and soon she'll get her own show so yeah it's pretty amazing uh ahsoka was a character that i couldn't stand when she was first introduced mm-hmm. as the clone Wars series went along the way okay and i think a lot of fans my age were that way yeah. They saw this character like, oh my gosh. And then as she grew up, it made, it was like, oh, okay. I, I mean, I honestly, looking looking back on the Clone Wars TV series, because like, it, I, I honestly think that's just the arc of the series as a whole. Um, it really does grow up and mature. Very much. As it, as it goes along. Uh, and I honestly think it grows up and matures alongside Ahsoka uh, yeah. with, with her as the um the viewpoint into the show it you know it it moves from a more childish and cartoonish uh um storylines and uh, just dialogue in general into feeling um honestly more and more uh adult and like the uh, the original trilogy because yeah. like i would I'd, like that's probably my favorite star wars project in general outside the original trilogy yeah i, I yeah, really have a strong series for that show is a marvelous series and it did so much to help the whole generation my generation of grumpy prequel people to suddenly go oh we get it now so yeah yeah it really and ahsoka is a fantastic character i have a let's see i have a black series figure of her and a funko pop with her so nice I do love that character indeed, and I love the casting of Rosaria Dawson as the live action is okay. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Okay, and then number four, our last question, a bonus question. Okay. What kind of Star Wars spaceship would you own? Ooh. That's tough. Um ooh. Honestly, like I, I think that <laughs> I, I would probably be very uh basic um and go for something just like an X Wing, very maneuverable, mm. very fast. Um yeah. just also like it to just I, I know I'd never really consider that question, but just in my uh in in my mind, if I'm told you can you can fly one of these, I just like the the feeling I guess of being in an X Wing would trump all others. Mm-hmm. Um, in my mind immediately, but I know I feel like I feel like I could come up with a uh, a a better and more thoughtful answer. 
um given more time but that was just immediately the first thing that sprung to mind no it's 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 a good choice it is a good choice indeed all right well thank you for answering questions now we'll jump into our main topic all right so as we said star wars changed everything yeah if we go back though to the era in which star wars came out star wars came out and by star wars i mean the new hope your audience listening are its original title was star wars yeah it's came star out wars. in a very interesting time in american cinema and i think that you could argue that that was the perfect time for star wars to come out yeah like it needed that, that era of film and so to those who may not know who are listening there is what we call in cinema studies new hollywood or the american new way which is a very nebulous as far as when it began and when it ended yeah but roughly running from 1967 to 1982 it was an era in which the studios were giving more power to the directors to basically be auteurs. Auteur is French for author, meaning that the director is basically the author of their own film. The studios were giving unprecedented control to the directors because before that, the studio bosses were really the ones calling the shots. Um, and this era brings us directors like Martin Scorsese, Francis Ford Coppola, Peter Bogdanovich, um, Brian De Palma, Steven Spielberg, and of course, George Lucas. So Trevor, what is your, kind of your, your are, are you a fan of the new Hollywood era cinema? I, am, I honestly think it's like, has some of the strongest uh, American film season was just one of the strongest era for American filmmaking. Um, just because, as you mentioned before, that it was all very studio controlled, and you had the um the rare one to uh sneak through and be a like uh, an Orson Welles film, a or... massive hit, right? Um, I mean, even just like uh some of their bigger uh, Technicolor musicals, like Singing in the Rain or West Side Story, uh, I think are also like very strong. Um. But yeah, in general, you just had a lot of just very like factory produced uh, studio films. Um, and some of which I, would I, be very good. <laughs> some of which, some of which. Yeah, but, but most of studios, which. Like a lot of studios mentality was, I mean, quantity over quality. So you just yeah. have studios cranking out like, you know, a hundred or so films a year. I mean, it's essentially what we're seeing with Netflix now to where they're just cranking out so many films and so few of them are actually good. Yeah, um, yeah good point. So uh, seeing, and I don't know exactly what shifted, but I think it was honestly just a lot of cinema lovers um, moving into the system and really taking the reins for themselves. I mean, similar to what we saw with like the French New Wave. Uh, mm -hmm. and starting like the late 1950s when you had people like Francois Truffaut, Jean-Luc Godard, Agnes Varda, etc. You know, Jacques Demy and Jacques Tati 
like just cinema lovers who imprinted their own stamp onto a uh, onto filmmaking and it, it's kind of sad because you were seeing so many of um you know these these great directors i mean even just look at like spielberg uh mm-hmm. with indiana jones and jurassic park to where a lot of his uh you know the, those ip that he's created like jurassic park for example as i brought up earlier it's now kind of falling back into the studio system uh which was exactly That's what a, a lot of their very like uh avant-garde and strong pushes against the studio film system were like very um i know it, it's very counterintuitive and it, it feels like we're kind of falling back yeah. into that and it's not that like i mean obviously jurassic park was produced by universal but they also just let spielberg do what he wanted yeah, with it. it's true um and now we're seeing you know to talk about the jurassic world franchise never seen it all just like it was more universal made than like any director on yeah, these recent good point <laughs> on these when recent we, films when we look at american cinema there are basically three eras yeah there's the golden age of hollywood studio system control there's the new hollywood after new hollywood we have sort of a mix a mix of the two systems. Where on the one hand, you have lots of auteur cinema and lots of films. So those listening, you say they don't make great films anymore. They do. You just have to go look for them. Yep. So on the one hand, you have the auteur cinema. On the other, the studio cinema. But the era in which Star Wars came out, this new Hollywood, so began... It's very nebulous. Yeah. Some would say it began with The Graduate and ended with Evans Gate. Mm-hmm. Some would say it began with uh, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf and ended with The Cake of Comedy. Some would say that some would even say it began with Easy Rider and ended with with Star Wars. Some could argue that. But the main definition by most folks, is that it ran from about 1967 to 1982. And what is interesting about 1967, and Trevor probably knows this, what a year. Yeah, I mean, the graduate Bonnie and Clyde, like... You were talking the graduate Bonnie and Clyde in the heat of the night. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're talking movies here that are really like Breaking the mold of what is the traditional American cinema. Yeah. And this was an interesting time because in the era of the 50s and early 60s, Hollywood was making a lot of these big Technicolor extravaganza movies. But their audience was shrinking. What was then discovered was more young people wanted movies for them. Which gave a path for these young 20-something directors fresh out of film school to make their movies. Yep. And George Lucas got caught in that. Now it's interesting that you mentioned the French New Wave. So can you give us sort of a brief overview? What is the French New Wave? For those who don't so, 
So, yeah, so the French New Wave, I mean, it was comprised of uh, a lot of the filmmakers that I mentioned, Truffaut, Demi, Tati, uh, Godard, Varda. Um, and a lot of them were actually film critics uh, who are and like academic scholars who were relatively displeased with the, uh, the state of cinema and brought a really fresh new lens to film. Um, particularly in a lot of their editing choices to where it was very uh, counterintuitive and it just brought such a fresh new energy um, to the uh, the visual uh, feelings of films. Like where you would traditionally pan the camera, you'd cut to where you traditionally cut, you'd hold the frame. Um, they, they took the rules and they set out to break them. Their stories uh, it, didn't always make sense too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they brought a lot of very uh you know fresh ideas uh into their storytelling um and it was really a lot of their films were more about theme and feeling and emotion uh rather than a very tightly written narrative that would uh check out like cinema sins would hate it like um uh, yeah good point so and it I mean, those in and of themselves, like that's a completely different conversation about how much they've influenced. But it's uh, it's it's fascinating how like right around the same time we saw a similar thing with American filmmaking, uh, kind of taking the rules and breaking them. Yeah, good point. Uh, what's interesting is in the fifties and early sixties, there started to be an interest in the United States among cinema fans of Thorin film. Mm -hmm. And this brings us, of course, to French New Wave. It also brings us the Italian art films. Yep. It brings us the Japanese cinema and Swedish cinema. And so in particular, if you were to make a Val Rushmore of great filmmakers, Ooh. the greatest filmmakers of all time, me, I would argue that on that Mount Rushmore, would be Akira Kurosawa from Japan, mm. Federico Fellini from Italy, yeah. Ingmar Bergman from Sweden. You could probably argue that either Truthor or Jean Godard perhaps could be on there. Uh, so, yeah. But I think that it's safe to say that these were some of the greatest directors the world has ever seen. Yeah. And their movies started to come to America. And young cine fanatics really got into it. And George Lucas was one of those. So, George Lucas, when he went to Modesto Junior College in, 19, in the 19, early 1960s, he saw three films that were a huge influence on the new Hollywood scene. Those films were Breathless by Jean-Luc Godard, mm -hmm. Jules at Jim by Francois Truffaut, and Eight and a Half by Federico Fellini. Now, if anybody listening wonders what it's inside, like inside my mind, my mind, watch Eight and a Half. I'm living in imagination pretty much all the time. So anyhow, those three films George Lucas saw. And George Lucas, of course, being part of that generation, 
was exposed to films. Now, later, in the mid-60s, his friend, well, Jordan gets transferred to USC, at the University of Southern California, he met a whole bunch of people, and one of those people was John Millions, who some of you might recognize as the writer of the Pucklets Snail and the director of Conan the Barbarian, among other films. Milius introduces George Lucas to the films of Akira Kurosawa. So this era of cinema, this is where the, it's kind of a weird, it's, it's a seesaw. The, it starts with the great classic Hollywood cinema. Then all these European and, and other country, these foreign directors watch Europe, uh, watch classic American cinema. They get their own ideas, create their own kind of films. And then the Americans get the ideas from the Europeans who borrowed from the Americans. So if that makes any sense, it goes back and forth. So what I think, Trevor, to ask, what are what are the films that of the European or should I say international cinema scene that really stand out to you from that era of the art cinema? So the biggest one for me personally is Persona. Um, I I love this film so much. Uh, Amar Bergman is probably my favorite director of all time. Uh, so honestly, just, I mean, anything from Bergman, like Persona, the Seventh Seal, um, like even into his later stuff, like Fanny and Alexander, Scenes from Marriage, like just, mm-hmm. he, he's an incredible director. I, I love... I love Bergman's films uh, a lot. Um, and, it, you know, that film in and of itself, just like incredibly avant-garde with what it's bringing in, you know, mixing these uh, really almost like ludicrous editing techniques mm-hmm. um, that were uh, inspired by like, uh, even like a lot of like German expressionist editing um, from oh, the yes. 1920s with stuff that yes. we saw in like Fritz Long's films like Metropolis and M uh, yeah. like Nosferatu Cabinet of Dr. Caligari has that very like uh, abrupt uh, editing um, while also uh, mixed with like very long holds um, and I think a great thing about Bergman is that he tackles so many different types of stories in so many different ways um, another director that I love a lot from that period is Agnes Varda um oh, yes. Cleo, Cleo from five to seven is probably my uh my favorite of hers um just think it's incredible also to have such a prolific like female director at that time period um and being able to tell stories from that perspective when you really didn't see that uh that much to have like these great female auteurs in that time mm-hmm. period yeah um I mean, now we have the likes of like Celine Siama and uh, Chloe Zhao and et cetera. But like that was that was really, really special uh, and like rare to see at that time. So I think that her voice is just so unique and distinct uh, and stands out to me a lot from the French New Wave. Mm. Um, so 
I mean, yeah, I could, I, I, I could talk about a lot, a lot of this for forever. I mean, I just have sitting next to me the Jacques Demy, uh, Criterion Collection yeah, box set. I see some of your um, Criterions over there. Yeah, yeah. I've got quite a shelf. I counted. I've got like fifty Criterions on my shelf. I um, I have a problem, and I also don't have to pay uh, uh rent and insurance, so I have uh, a bit over a hundred. Um, wow. But- <laughs> uh it's, yeah my my plan i'm you know i'm gonna buy as many as i can now so that way when i have to pay for real adult things um i'll have a lot of them uh <laughs> good point good point <laughs> but i mean yeah i mean just talking about to me, like I'm a, adulting. <laughs> I'm a uh i'm a just very big uh fan of musicals it's one of my favorite genres mm, um mm-hmm. so uh, Demi's films like *Umbrellas of Cherbourg*, *Young Girls of Russia* for I mean, just incredible. You know, uh, it's with... funny you were ahead of me in a lot of films because I have only seen um, three Ingmar Bergman films. I haven't seen any Agnes Tharda or Jacques Demi. Okay. I you know you it's funny that that that. Uh, you're definitely out of me when it comes to those films. I I'm, uh, that... I'm quite behind on a lot of American classics, though. Yeah, so no, it's it sort of it's sort of um, a trade-off. But it's very interesting that with someone like George Lucas, the last thing you think of is auteur art cinema. But at the time, he was part of that. And what's interesting is that the studio system in America in the 70s started to realize that there was a huge demographic of young people who were losing interest in the movies because the movies had become a bit too grand. There's a lot of these old filmmakers telling these big stories. And the studio finally realized, let's let these young directors make movies that speak to young people. And mind you, this is the era of Vietnam. This is the era of Nixon. This is the era of disillusioned youth. And as a result, once they started making these youth-oriented, iconoclastic films. They made huge amounts of money because there was a big audience. And this, of course, brings us to George Lucas's fateful meeting with Francis Ford Coppola. And together they found American Zoetrope, which makes several movies, which still exist to this day, um, mostly producing the films of Sofia Coppola. Mm-hmm. And the they're off to the races. And the first film that American Zoetrope makes is THX 1138. The live action yeah. adaptation of Jorfix's student film. Which I would argue is a pretty good film, but it failed at the box office miserably. And then, of course, George Lucas' next project, which is a great film, American Graffiti, which yeah. makes a lot of money and puts him on the map. 
Mm -hmm. So this is sort of the early 70s. We have the era, this is the era of the Godfather. This is the era of the French Connection. This is the era of the Exorcist. We're dealing with definitely getting into a more auteurish cinema. Yeah. And what are your do you have any favorite films from this particular era, this early 70s era? Ooh, so like the uh, the early 70s? Yeah, around the time of, of your first first look at films. Um I mean it's uh it's it's hard not to say the Godfather. I still shamefully have not seen the Godfather part two. Um Godfather Part Two is pretty good, but Godfather Part One I think is the best. Yeah, I, I, I hear a pretty uh pretty mixed consensus on that, but I still uh still definitely want to check it out. Part two is really um, good. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh I would I mean it's 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 late sixties, but uh, a lot of Kubrick stuff from that era is like oh, yes. Space Odyssey and then I mean the Capricorn's yep. getting into the early seventies. Yeah. Um and then it's a bit later in the seventies, but I am a uh, a massive David Lynch fan, so I'm mm -hmm. like a racer head. Um so reminds me, I, and just, I, I just watched Mulholland Drive two weeks ago. Nice. Love it. Yep. Love it. Yep. Yeah, it's it's either that or blue velvet is my yeah. favorite lynch um but yeah i and i think that that uh i i think david lynch honestly he hasn't i don't think achieved a lot of the uh mainstream success as people like lucas or, or kubrick or coppola or it's spielberg interesting but you mentioned him... i'm oh, sorry go ahead no i was gonna say i, I would put him along like the same lines yeah. as far oh, yeah. as and uh, he's these part of that. voices he's part of that generation in fact, so, David Lynch was considered the direct return of the Jedi. Yeah. That which George Lucas I, wanted him to, to do. I would have probably loved to would have been it. ridiculous. It would have been ridiculous and I would have loved it. Have you seen the uh, the concept art? No, I have not. It's uh it's fascinating. Because I, I believe that, he instead Because he did Dune, Dune right? Yeah. Yeah. Which is uh, Which, oh my! It's interesting. I I don't hate it as much as most people. Um, but I also just have an unabashed love for David Lynch. Yeah, so point. I I might be a bit uh a bit jaded in that, but yeah, I I think that would have been really fascinating. I mean, in like, I mean, David Lynch, he's gonna be in uh uh the uh the Steven Spielberg uh his upcoming film, The Fablemans, playing mm -hmm. I think John Ford. I think is who David Lynch is playing. Oh wow! Okay, be, there we go. Which will be really, really interesting. With the eye patch, uh, yelling at everybody on set. <laughs> yeah, yeah. David Lynch is gonna be an eye patch, and he's gonna be like one of the first uh, Spielberg's like Francis sneaking onto the Universal lot. Um, yeah. So like he's very much entrenched, I think, within that um, era. So I would throw him in there as well. Yeah. Good point. Um. So we come to. America Graffiti is finished. Lucas creates Lucasfilm and goes off in his direction and at that time begins writing Star Wars. And the original rough draft of Star Wars is completed in 1973. I read it. It's something. 
I'll just say that if anyone's interested, 13 years ago, the, or not 10, 12 years ago, Dark Horse Comic made a graphic novel adaptation of its original screenplay. I would suggest if you're interested, read that. Because it is hmm, quite a trip. Have you gotten to read that? I have not read the complete. I think I've, I I don't know. I have a vague memory of uh, of reading. I think some of it. Um, I've I've read the uh the outline of what the, yeah. the narrative, I guess, of the screenplay was. Yeah, and it's um, it's it's definitely interesting. I don't know how he would have translated it onto film. It's so cerebral. It's cerebral. It's dense. It's it's a bazillion characters it's like it all this probably like political stuff it probably would have turned out very similar to um david lynch's dude yeah good point good point and uh we if you read it or, or read the graphic novel you will see the germ of some of the later ideas yeah one of the big influences on george lucas during this time was Akira Kurosawa's 1958 film The Hidden Fortress. Yep. Which the original screenplay of Star Wars bears much more resemblance to The Hidden Fortress than the completed version. Yeah. The filmed version is the fourth draft of the screenplay. Perfect so wrote four in total. Three is nearly identical to four. One and two is a slow evolution whittling down Star Wars to its most basic Joseph Campbell hero's journey. Yeah. Fairy tale simplicity, which I think I know actually was probably the best decision. Yeah. Keep it yeah. as simple as possible. And then you can add more stuff to it later. So Star Wars marks an interesting time. The movie was a disaster to make, as as many people know. Yeah, a complete and utter nightmare. In fact, you could make a mini series, just like they did about the Godfather. In the series, the author, you could make something like that about the making of Star Wars. Absolutely. Well, it yeah. comes out, and it's a huge hit. It makes more money than any movie in history, not adjusted for inflation. Because Gun at the Wind is still the number one, but that's a whole different story. Yeah. This is also the era of Jaws and Star Wars and make a lot of money. Now, some would argue that this might be the beginning of the end of the mature new Hollywood era. Do you agree with that idea or do you disagree? I think it's, I don't, I don't know. I think it's tough as far as where the era ends and where the influences start, because you could honestly say, like, there are still so many uh, filmmakers influenced and still working within a lot of the um, uh, the same, I, I guess, way of making films uh, as within the new Hollywood era. Um, 
I don't know. I, I do think it's, I, I think there's a reason why there's so much debate around it because I think it really is hard to, uh, to signify where like exactly the cutoff, uh, the cutoff was, because as you mentioned, even with like Sofia Coppola, like Sofia Coppola still very much making films that you could say would like fit into the new Hollywood era. But like, obviously it. this is, this is yeah. 40 years later. I mean, even like one of my favorite filmmakers, Wes Anderson, yep. I think is making a uh, film similar to that. But that, that's why I think we live in sort of a half and half. Yeah. Where on the well, one hand, you've got of... these big studio-driven movies. Mm-hmm. On the other, you have Wes Anderson, you have Christopher Nolan, you had Sophia um, Coppola, you had David O. Russell, you had have... you this endless list of auteurs that still are around. Right. And it's interesting that so at the time, you know, Jaws makes a lot of money, Star Wars makes a lot of money. It toward the end of the 70s, the studios still convinced that that system is working. Keep giving lots of money and unbridled freedom to these directors. Well, then 1980 happens. And Heaven's Gate happens. And, you know, Star Wars is a movie that changed a lot of things. Evans Gate is also a movie that changed a lot of things. Now, at the time, Evans Gate was given terrible reviews across the board. I've seen Evans Gate, and I don't think it's that bad. However, what cannot be denied is that it made $3 million on a $40 million budget. One of the biggest bonds in movie history. And it is at that moment where the studios go, maybe we're giving these directors too much freedom. And that is sort of the symbolic end of the era. Some would argue that it continued until Blade Runner or The King of Comedy would burn later. But uh, so have you, have you seen Evans Gate, Trevor? I have not, unfortunately, no. Are you aware of sort of the discourse around it? I am, yes. Being the yes, end of I New am. Hollywood. Yeah. Do you think that you can definitely sense an immediate shift? Or is it more gradual, you think? So, I don't know. I think throughout the 80s is where we saw a lot of the studio system come back. Um, mm-hmm. but coincidentally in the 80, you know, through the, the end of the eighties and the early nineties, uh, cameras became way more accessible and mm-hmm. you really saw the independent filmmaking scene that's, that's very true. take a rise. So, I mean, and like, I, uh, I, I, for one, I feel like I'm a lot uh, more low on him as a, as a filmmaker than most, but, uh, but Quentin Tarantino, I think undeniably had a massive influence in the early nineties. Yes, I would agree there. Cinema to the mainstream. Yeah, that's the interesting uh, thing. Um, uh, one of my favorite filmmakers. is um uh richard linklater mm-hmm. who i think did yeah. something similar with the uh the before trilogy in 19 uh, starting in 1995 in fact so i just watched see... the before trilogy a couple weeks ago nice i thought they were great yeah 
Yeah. No, but Before Sunrise is one of my favorite films of all time. I yeah. uh, I love it a lot. So, it, it is an interesting time where the rise of the independent cinema almost becomes like an anti Hollywood. Where it becomes, yes. it, you could argue, a desire, whether conscious or unconscious, to continue the new Hollywood era. Uh, but in a alternate to the, what Hollywood is embracing. And yep. as you say, you know, you definitely get the rise in, in Tarantino films. You also get the rise in like 1996 movies like Fargo by the Coen brothers. Mm-hmm. The Coen brothers. And other that. movies like Shine and other other movies, Secrets of Lies, which are definitely more a tour under the radar kind of cinema. And ISC really takes off. The Independent Film Channel, which I mm-hmm. used to watch a lot when I was in junior high. Uh, probably a lot of films yeah. in there. I probably shouldn't have seen it that age, but <laughs> nonetheless, that's how it goes. Yeah. And it kind of brings us to where we are today, where you have studios on one end, auteurs on the other. But as far as Star Wars is concerned, Star Wars almost stands apart from either studio or auteur. Now, some movies are more auteurs than others in the saga. You could definitely say the prequels were probably the epitome of auteur cinema as far as the director kind of getting to do whatever he wanted. And then, but then it bounces back and forth. But I think that the ultimate conclusion is that Star Wars came out in the era of auteurs. And even though George Lucas faced nearly insurmountable obstacles while trying to make Star Wars, that was the right time for it. Do you agree with that or not? Do you agree with that assessment? Uh, as far as, sorry, you cut out a bit. As far as it was the right time for the original movie to come out. Oh, yes, 100%. I think it fits in perfectly uh, within that era, especially in a post-Jaws era to where we see somebody like Spielberg take the box office crown uh, and we're seeing that these younger filmmakers are bankable, but we aren't quite to the end of it. Like I think if Star Wars came out even just five years later, um, it would not have been nearly the same. Um, like you would, it would have been very overrun with the, um, how's this, like very commercial uh, and product based mm-hmm. uh, making films. I mean, cause like obviously so many Star Wars toys uh <laughs> coming out in like late 70s early 80s but they were made after the success of the films uh and to where now you know if there is a film that seems just vaguely bankable to where mm-hmm. you could um create uh you know uh, other like merchandise uh toys but then that's going to be the sole intention of the film and i think that star wars did come out at the perfect time to where it wasn't really taken advantage of um because it's on such a scale that it would have needed 
um, some studio uh, funding. And I don't think it would Lucas would have gotten quite the creative freedom, uh, sadly, even just a couple years later. That's a very good point. So it's so interesting discussing this because the the new Hollywood era, we could spend hours talking and not even crack the surface of it because it's a because in, in describing eras in film, it's a very nebulous concept. Mm. And it sort of depends on your point of view, as Obi-Wan would say. Yeah. But I think what it's safe to say is that Star Wars is here to stay. It came out at mm. just the right time. And looking at where we're at now, 45 years later, I'd say that George Lucas really hit the nail on the head. And despite all the fighting he had to do, it proved to be the, the one of the most successful, not the most successful film of all time. And I think that even though it it all all films that are successful have a negative effect, it's always a yin and yeah. yang. I think the positive yeah. that came out of Star Wars. Will outweigh the negative that might have come out of it. Yeah. And so, I guess to conclude, Star Wars is a product of the New Hollywood era, and it all worked out. I think in a way that, as you say, if it had been any other year, any other era, it probably would not have worked. Yeah. Absolutely. So, as we come to the conclusion, what are your final thoughts on this subject? Um, just with what we're talking about with the eras and just everything that has come from Star Wars. I mean, yes, I, I think, you know, if we're looking at the negatives, like, I think, unfortunately, the uh, Star Wars franchise has contributed to a lot of the product based and commercial like commercialist filmmaking that we see now yet so many of the great auteur filmmakers that we see now wouldn't have even gotten into films without star wars i mean to bring up wes anderson maybe my favorite working director today mm -hmm. like he even cites star wars as the reason why he like the first film that got him into cinema um and there are countless directors to which that is their story and that is the way that they got into yeah. films peter, peter so jackson. even just that alone peter jackson yeah peter jackson, even just uh, that alone in the singleton. people that star wars is inspired yeah john yeah. singleton so peter like jackson. and i think you know uh, there's there's a lot to be said about i mean taking inspiration um and where this era ends and honestly i don't know if any era within filmmaking really necessarily ends um i think it definitely has its peak to where it is the movie of making films mm -hmm. but you're always going to see remnants of it and influences i'm i never can remember the exact quote uh but paul schrader talked about how it's you know there are so many films today that it's like it, it's going to be impossible to come up with a wholly original idea. Mm -hmm. um, but there are so many, rather than being discouraged by that, you can take all of these, like all of this great cinema from around us 
uh, and just take what you like the best. It's I think you said the great directors have have provided us with whole buffet, so now we just get to pick and choose our favorite foods. Um, and I mean Paul Schrader, uh, another I mean mm. writer from this era, working yeah. with Scorsese on Taxi Driver. Mishima. So like, yeah. So and I honestly think that's like a really great way to sum up um a lot of these uh these new eras and new waves within filmmaking like they, they aren't doing anything entirely new but they're taking the best of cinema and reinventing it uh in in their own uh way and their own vision very good point very good point that is sort of the that is what we have seen as a result and i think cinema is better off for it so as we conclude, Brother, what does Star Wars mean to Absolutely. you? Absolutely. What does Star Wars mean to me? Um, honestly, I just think it's it is the the ultimate like encapsulation of just like childlike wonder and creativity within the film. Just uh, with everything that it's inspired and you know the world that it's created. Um, even if I I don't love um everything star wars it's just it's always going to be like such a special thing for me uh just as i mean it was it, some of my first memories of just like my like being the first films that i was really obsessed with mm-hmm. um and that has now spawned into an obsession with i mean film as a whole and you know wanting to make film my career and none of that would have really happened without uh without star wars being the first domino to fall to to lead me down the path so very well said well thank you trevor for coming on the show absolutely where can everyone find where can everyone find you uh yeah i'm on a youtube show called oscar buzz uh talk about um the academy awards and just film analysis in general film festivals we're nearing a fall film festival season with uh toronto and venice and uh new york telluride plenty of uh fun stuff coming up there as we get into award season uh i'm also on the basement uh which is a a weekly live i have my uh incredible co-host mark and opic and we uh any structure and we just talk about things generally movies um and it's uh it's it's a fun time i think uh, um i'm uh i'm also on twitter at tm talks movies uh and i i occasionally do uh do one of the tweeting things and then i'm on letterboxd just at my name trevor Matson, um because i watch lots of movies indeed you do your your letterbox is, is fun to follow Oh, thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Trevor. Thank you, everyone, for listening. I cannot recommend Trevor's shows enough. Anyhow, everyone, thank you for tuning in to The Guest Awakens. Presented by Page Turner's They Were Not, my arguably Star Wars podcast, but really a cinema podcast. My name is Brendan Marr. That noise you're hearing is my ventilator. And as always, may the force be with you.